This is Bloomberg Surveillance. That's where the focus ought to be on fiscal policy going forward is how do we generate a better environment to create business investment, create capital. We have these ups and downs in job growth. This is one of those down periods, but I'm quite confident that in the third quarter things will pick back up again. I'm long of crude oil because it is moving from the lower left to the upper right. Do I embrace it enthusiastically? No. Do I have stops underneath it? Absolutely. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everybody. It is 7 a.m. on Wall Street, 11 p.m. in Auckland, where the Kiwi is soaring this morning, up 1.4%. The Reserve Bank of New Zealand did nothing, kept rates steady, interest rate differential story. It is a central bank world around the world today. Yields plunging everywhere. German bunds at record lows. UK 10-year gilt at a record low today. Bonds in the U.S. Yields continue to fall. The two-year now down to 77 basis points. The five-year at 1.21 percent. Ten-year 1.68 percent. The dollar is rising, you might imagine. Uh, 93.847 for the DXY. 106.47 106.47 for the yen, dollar up half a percent against the Japanese currency. The euro, 113.44, down four-tenths, getting near some uh, crucial technical levels, they tell us. And looking at equities, you uh, would probably be correct in believing that they are not happy with all of this movement. Uh, the uh, stock 600, three points lower on the day, eight-tenths of a percent. The DAX is off 119, 1.2%. FTSE's trading down by 49, eight-tenths. Don't know whether that's uh, part of the global sell-off. I imagine a lot of it is, but there's also the Brexit risk still there overhanging that market. S&P futures in the U.S., seven points lower, three-tenths. Dow futures off 38, two-tenths. And NASDAQ E-minis are 13 points lower, two-tenths of a percent. By the way, oil uh, still comfortably $50. West Texas, 50.81 this morning, even though it's down eight-tenths. Uh, Brent crude down by a percentage point, but that leaves it at 52.01. What is uh, going on in the world? Why is all this money pouring into fixed income? Rick nothing's Deverell going is, on. <laughs> nothing's it's going on. Tom, Tom, Tom is uh, just waking up here. His alarm uh, went off late. Rick Deverell's global head of fixed income research at Credit Suisse. He's been up for hours checking the markets uh because uh, he comes from down under and um you know when the new zealanders do something the uh the aussies got to pay attention but uh, what is going why everybody all of a sudden it, i mean ever since the fed took itself out of the markets is it really free money that's driving everything here or is there some sort of additional concern that is pushing people to havens um i mean i i think as always there's lots of things going on i mean i, th- I think the first thing is clearly central banks i mean I think the fact that we've got negative rates in a bunch of countries um, is keeping the, the short end of the curve very, very anchored. And then, of course, people are getting more nervous about global growth again. I think payrolls last week was very important in terms of the Fed had been out telling people that they were going to hike in the summer. Now people are beginning to question that. Um, and then, of course, you've got Brexit sitting a couple of weeks out now um, and people very worried that uh, something could happen there which would at least drive a volatility event. And what that means is people go and buy a fixed income. Um, and then if you think about where you can get some coupon, where you can get some yield at the moment, you have to go a long way up the curve. Yeah, um, and, so, and down under. <laughs> you got to go a long way from... Uh, that's right. And, and, I mean, even even in Australia, I mean, you have a 10-year yield in Australia pushing down towards 2%. I mean, that's just <clears> extraordinary. I mean, this is an economy that's going at 3.1% in the last year. Unemployment looks like it's stable. Um 
You know, it, it's it's a weird and wacky world out there. Well, it, it is, and you wonder how much of it is just momentum trading, and that uh, all of a sudden something will come out, some data point or something is going to come out, and uh, and just whack traders upside the head. Yeah. Look, again, I think that's something we need to watch really closely because if you if you think about the structural things that are going on, there's no doubt that yields are going to stay low for a long time because the short end is anchored so tightly, and we still think that the next thing that happens, if anything happens with central banks outside of the U.S., is they ease more. So with the Bank of Japan, if they do anything else this year, it's going to be easing some other way, and, and likewise with Europe. So the short end is going to stay low, but the long end does feel very dangerous. And remember that I think it was April last year, um, 10-year bonds yields got down to, I think they got down to about five basis points. <coughs> and then, of course, we had a big correction, um, market sentiment changed, and then three weeks later, they were 75 basis points. So it feels to me that the risk, if you have the vote in a couple of weeks in the UK and they decide to stay in, the risk is that you get a big unwinding of this very quickly. That's the short-term story, and that's a short-term tactical trading story. Um, but I do think that inexorably at the moment, unless you get some better global growth somewhere, um, these yields are going to keep grinding down or at least stay very flat. And the thing that worries me there is that um, if you think about the past six months or 12 months, episodically there have been things that have kind of driven volatility and shocks in the global economy. At the beginning of this year, it was China. At the moment, people are reasonably sanguine on China, um, whereas I think that they've put the latest sugar fix through the system. You've had to keep particularly in infrastructure spending and housing. Housing's probably done too much already, and it looks like it's starting to roll over. So the most likely thing is that rather than at a global level, the economy looking much better in six months' time, we have another shock. And that gets people worried again. So I don't think it's systematic. I don't think it blows everything up. But the probability of getting strong growth or above average growth in the next six months is pretty small, I think. Tom's uh, very excited about uh, the penguins tonight. But are you worried about the, the bond markets? I'm taking an eight-hour nap this afternoon so I can stay up to watch this <laughs> entire – for those of you globally, there's a – Small hockey game tonight in Pittsburgh that has my attention. What has my attention is Bloomberg surveillance with a lot of extra data checks. Uh, Bloomberg surveillance this morning brought to you by Invesco. Don't settle for average in your portfolio. To Invesco, the right approach means investing with high conviction. Find out more at Invesco.com slash high conviction. Rick Deverell with us, Credit Suisse. Rick, i got two core questions, but very different questions. Let me start with a gloom and doom question. I got challenges in FX. I got challenges in bonds. Equities keep going up. When do equities give up the ghost because of your world? Um, and again, a, a very different, a very difficult question. I mean, you can think about equities in a couple of ways at the moment. Um, you can look at absolute metrics of valuation, and frankly, they look pretty rich. Um, and you can look at earnings, and you can say that I, I think in a general macro sense, the wage share of GDP is probably bottomed out, so the corporate share is peaked. Yeah. So you're not going to get any strength there. The flip side of that is that everything else is expensive at the moment, so maybe just being a bit expensive for equities is not too bad. And normally equity <coughs> markets peak at a higher level than this. Um, so my, my gut feeling is that the very near term for equities is that you actually have a melt-up rather than a melt-down because everyone's looking Okay, I like life. that. We like the word melt-up here. That does well with ratings. Uh, but then the other question is to what you and Mike were talking about. I need you to explain how adults who have an 8, 9, 12-year duration, how they go to work in the morning in this world. What do pension funds do? What do insurance companies do? What do our individual 401ks do, given the macro oddity that we're in right now? And, uh, and I think it's very difficult. And I think, again, 
what, what if, if you step back to first principles, what central banks are doing here is there the, the reason you have such extraordinary low policy interest rates or negative in some areas is what you're really doing is you're trying to force people to take to move into riskier assets. Um, so you're forcing them out of fixed income. You're trying to get them to buy the equity market, but ultimately I to deploy capital. It's become chronic. Come yeah. on. On I, a Newtonian basis, we've got a forward momentum that's ugly. It's Bill yeah, Gross like yeah. 10 years repression. Yeah. How do those institutional managers survive and I, to I, the day when we get a release? Yeah. And, I, and I think it's going to be a problem. I, I really do. I think that the the canary in the coal mine, as you talked about earlier, is that you have these very big segments of the economy that, you know, you cannot live on this kind of coupon. And I think that's going to be a problem. It's going to accumulate. And, and part of what we're seeing at the long end of the yield curves is that these guys are being forced further along. So I saw a statistic earlier this week that the average yield in Germany is now negative. So if you look at the whole stock of bonds on issue, the average yield is negative. We've had companies in Switzerland, corporates, issue at negative interest rates. Um, and we had a Japanese company earlier this week issue at 0.001. So, you know, there is no yield in the system. And for those who rely on coupon, who those rely on fixed income to generate uh, returns, this is going to be very problematic. Um, and and I, I think that the longer this goes on, the bigger the risk that there are some big structural problems in some of these sectors. So I, I agree with you completely. Um, is- I just don't know how you get out of it because the counterfactual um, so a lot of people will say, well, central banks have made a big mistake here. You should have higher interest rates. But if those higher interest rates actually led to weaker economic growth still, um, you know, it's debatable, uh, that would be a bigger problem. So, you know, th- this is there are no easy solutions here other than the fiscal authorities stepping in. But again, the politics is such that that looks very improbable in most places. Uh, certainly here. We'll continue with uh, Rick Darrell from Credit Suisse uh, as we track the Decline of the bond market, uh, Tom. The German two-year, negative 54 basis points right now. Not what you want to see if you're uh, investing in short-term paper there. You should probably well, I'll go to the go U.S. 10-year, 1.68%. Good morning, Steve Major over well, at HSBC. I was going to say go out on the curve in Germany. You can get five basis points this morning for a 10-year. Well, we saw, ger- we saw Swiss, the Swiss 20-year. Go to a negative rate a few days ago. Kit Jukes, thank you so much at SockGen for that idea of the 10-year tips. How about ready to break down zero uh, percent as well? We've got lots to continue with here uh, this morning. And, yes, we'll do extra data checks. Futures negative 7, Dow futures negative 38, the yen 106.53. This hour of surveillance is brought to you by Volvo Cars White Plains. Visit VolvoCarsWhitePlains.com. Here's John Tucker with news headlines. And Michael and Tom, Bernie Sanders heads to the White House this morning for a chat with President Obama. The session aimed at unifying the Democratic Party for a general election brawl with Donald Trump. Although Hillary Clinton has become the presumptive nominee, Sanders has refused to exit the race, at least so far. Two suicide attacks in and outside the Iraqi capital today killed at least 27 people and wounded more than 60. And House leaders and President Obama pressuring lawmakers in both parties to support legislation to help ease Puerto Rico's financial crisis. The House scheduled to begin debate today on a bill that would create a financial control board and restructure some of the U.S. territory's $70 billion debt. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by 2,400 journalists in more than 150 news bureaus around the world. I'm John Tucker, Michael and Tom. John Tucker, thanks so much. I'm buried in, like, where did the phrase canary in a coal mine come from? 
come from. I'm looking for the, if you know where the derivation is from of canary in a coal mine, send it out to me and Michael McKee, Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Elbow Beach Bermuda, an oceanfront enclave of classic style and contemporary luxury. 50 acres of lush gardens and a private ribbon of pink sand beach. Go to elbowbeachbermuda.com for more details. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by Bentley University. What do rebooting America's oldest ski shop and crunching numbers at Vistaprint have in common? An MBA from Bentley University that prepares graduates to innovate and lead. Because businesses everywhere prepare here. And week-long rallies for global stocks and commodities coming to an end as the outlook for economic growth rekindled investor caution. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. U.S. stock index futures are lower. S&P E-mini futures down 7 points. Dow E-mini futures down 43. NASDAQ E-mini futures down 12. The DAX in Germany is down 1.1%. 10-year Treasury up 7.30 seconds. The yield 1.67%. Yield on the two-year 0.76%. NYMEX crude oil down 8 tenths percent or 42 cents to $50.81 a barrel. Comex gold little changed up 20 cents to 12.6240 an ounce. The euro $1.1336, the yen 106.48. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, thanks so much. I want to do a data check, folks. There's actually been stasis here for three hours. If you're just joining us to see the U.S. 10-year in from a 171 to 1.6781 with curve flattening the 210 spread 91 basis points in a solid two basis points this morning. Get your attention. We are adjusting and recalibrating with Rick Deverell, head of fixed income research at Credit Suisse. What are you working on? I, and I don't, I used, don't usually like to do open questions, but I think it works here. You're going to go back to the fortress at the bottom of Madison Avenue and you and your team are going to go, we got to write about something smart. What is it? Um, I mean, the way I like to approach research and particularly at the moment is to be open ended in terms of, you know, I like to encourage my team to think about fundamentally what so is, what is what it is what are, what are they thinking about within this blur of negative rates, brexit, convexity duration, and the rest of it what 's the concept yeah. that seems to come up so a, a, again, I think you 've got to think about a framework in terms of how you absorb all of this information, and to me, the two key things at the moment are there are these big structural things going on, and where are they going to impact, and where are you going to have the next source of volatility? Um, but in the very near term, we've got some big shocks coming up. So, I mean, we, we're spending most of the morning talking about the bond markets. I mean, that surely has to do with the fact that we've got this big Brexit um, referendum coming up. So you, you need to kind of separate when you're thinking about trading and when you're thinking about what's going to happen with markets, you need to think about the short term. And, you know, there's a bunch of things that are going to drive things in the next couple of weeks. And then you think about what happens after that. And then it's going to, it's bifurcated depending on, on the outcome you get from that referendum. As you move into the second half of the year, again, fundamentally to me, it's about growth. And the, and the, the problem I have, as I've, as I've said before, is that growth is okay, but it's below trend. I can't see a world where in the second half of the year it goes back above trend. If anything, um, I think the U.S. accelerates a little bit from here, so I, I, I worry less about the U.S. I think payrolls was a bit of a head fake. 
Um, but I do worry that China will slow down again. I also worry that with the yen having moved as much as it has, that corporate profits in, in Japan will come under pressure and that Japan may soften again. So it's a good thing that they've delayed the tax cut. But in the near term, it's hard to see the thing that ignites stronger global growth. Um, so that means that every time you get another shock, every time you get another thing for people to worry about, there'll be more money moved into fixed income and, and yields keep under pressure. So it's very difficult to see a world where yields move materially higher. Now, if, if you were the man from Mars and you came down and you just looked at the United States, I think the US should have higher yields, probably across the curve. But given that the, particularly the long end of the curve is very much a global market, um, and given that, as I say, if anything, the next policy innovation in Japan and Europe will be further easing, um, and given the aggressive search for yield across the whole system and the fact that there are risks out there, it's very hard to see even U.S. long-term yields move higher because as soon as they do, there'll be a flood of money come across from other places and push it back down again. So I think we're just stuck in this equilibrium at the moment. And until you can get some reasonable growth, which is probably at the earliest a 2017 story, it's hard to see that getting dislodged. Red button, Michael, red button. Uh, does it change even in 2017 with job growth or have, have, has there been a secular change in the way you trade. Uh, I mean, this is obviously not what you grew up on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's a good point because, you know, economists come on shows like this and they say with certainty that this is going to happen or that's going to happen. But as a, as a profession, we need to be very humble. Um, you know, we're not very good at understanding this stuff. We've never seen this before. So, you know, there are, lo- there are lots of things that could happen. Our, our central view and James Sweeney's central view is that a lot of what we're seeing now is a transitory event related to the downturn in investment in China and then the commodity impact from that. So you're actually seeing a lot of the disinflation you've seen around the world um, and particularly the really big hit that you've seen to business investment in a lot of places is a function of those two things. So it's Chinese investment coming down and then the commodity uh, investment falling off in a lot of places. Now, that the peak of that downturn has probably passed us. So you can tell the story that things start to normalise next year as long as China doesn't have another big downward leak. So if China stays controlled next year, you can tell a story where business investment starts picking up in a bunch of other places and you start getting more reasonable growth. So I I, I do think at the moment everyone talks about this as being a secular thing that's going to last forever. Things like this never last forever, and and the most likely thing is that it normalizes, but I just think it's going to take some time. Look at it this way. Uh, The the panic over China was misplaced. didn't happen. didn't crash. Uh, I'm just wondering if, if... People, uh, if especially fixed income traders, have become Woody Allen reincarnated, uh, where he said, uh, you know, the two categories of life are horrible and miserable, and you got to be one or the other. It, because if it's not China, it's going to be something else. Yeah. In other words, it, the trade is always based on the idea that central banks are going to keep pumping in money because there's some crisis. Yeah. Out there. And, and and that's where it's going to get really interesting because I think I think that's exactly right, and I think that means that it's going to be hard for the Fed to move very much in the next year. I think they'll get one or two or three or four in. Um, but the problem is that every time they get moving, something else is going to happen somewhere else, and that will slow them down because they are risk-averse. They're very worried about the fragility of the global system. But we're getting to an interesting structural point in that unemployment in the US is 4.7%. I mean, you can mount an argument that that unemployment number was more important than the payrolls number last week because 
people had begun to think that labour force participation was picking up again, mm-hmm. and it looks like all of that unwound. Now, my view is that mainly the slowdown or the weakness in participation is structural. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's demographic. There's a whole bunch of things going on. But you, now you've got 4.7% <clears throat> unemployment. Let, let's, let's paint a picture. If we have another year where unemployment goes down by... Well, Dean Mackey is there with 0.72 X Barclays. Yeah. He goes so, down to a three-handle. Yeah, so you go to a three-handle, and oil's picked okay. up, remember. we got to leave it there. Rick Devereaux, thank you so much. Please come back with Credit Suisse as well. We will continue Futures at Negative 7, Bloomberg Surveillance. Well, what about that China story? Coming up, we'll talk with uh, Frederick Newman, HSBC's co-head of Asian Economic Research. Is the outlook actually improving in China? This is Bloomberg Surveillance.